Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. My name is Gabe Phillips, if we have not met, and a huge privilege to host you tonight in the city. And uh, I just want to start off at the get-go to tell you that I am a big deal in Zimbabwe. Just... <laughs> You guys, we've got to be honest. You've got to be honest here. I am a big deal in Zimbabwe. I grew up there. I grew up north of the Limpopo. And uh, people don't believe me. I get a lot of those guffaws. I got a lot of people rolling their eyes when I say this. But if, I used to tell people, I'm a big deal back home, guys. I'm a big deal back there. But no one ever believes me. And then a few years ago, I got to take a, a team back to Zimbabwe after being away a long time. The prodigal son was returning home, and it was, it was exciting. It was, it was, I just could feel, I could hear the Lion, track, Lion King soundtrack in my head as I was arriving home. And, and I remember, I was like, I told the guys going with me, guys, don't freak out, but I'm a big deal. You guys are going to, it might be a little bit much. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure, Gabe. And I said a bit tongue-in-cheek as well, because I must be honest, I was a little disappointed when we got to the airport and there was no big banners saying, welcome home, Gabe Phillips. I was a little bit hurt by that, but it was fine. And the guy was like, oh, not that big a deal. I said, yeah, but just wait, just wait. And I remember going driving the streets, I was pretty disappointed that there was no marching bands lining the streets either, and just uh, people throwing confetti or throwing palm leaves on the, on, the, on, the, on the streets. No, I didn't get any of that. And after a while, I remember the guys were like, yeah, big deal. No one remembers you here, buddy. You're, you're, you're nothing here, Gabe. But then came my vindication, my moment that I've been waiting for. I, I walked into, I took them, I wanted, on the way to a venue, there was uh, my primary school, shout out to Greystone Park Primary School in Borrowdale, and I went there, and as we walked in with a couple of my uh, friends with me from South Africa, as I walked in, a lady, a teacher, walked out of the staff room, she saw me, and she started to scream, and she said, Gabriel Phillips! And I just looked at the guy, and said, I told you, I'm a big deal here. <laughs> I'm a big deal. And I want to tell you tonight that the title of my sermon is Name Dropping. Name dropping. And uh, if you are wanting a celebrity name to drop, you're more than welcome to drop my name into conversations. And if you're wanting some street cred to say, I know Gabe Phillips, you can do that, guys. It's a free of charge. Take it or leave it. It's yours. But actually, if you want to know uh, what name dropping it is, there was a friend I was talking to the other day, and in a, in a period of about five minutes, this guy, I think, named about six or seven uh, minor celebrities that he knew. And he, and he was doing this, but he was trying, trying to like be, be play, play cool. But I knew that he was trying to get some street cred by telling me that he was connected to these type of people. And I was so tempted to actually start just doing this while he was talking. Sorry, hold on. Just picking up all the names you dropped. Sorry, buddy. Just, I mean, just, just sorry about that. But actually, I realized that actually we all do it from time to time. We all will, will, will when we are feeling a little bit insecure, maybe we're not feeling up to a, a scratch, we start to name the type of people that we know. Do you know that I'm sort of connected to that person or I know that minor celebrity? I may or may not be someone here, maybe married to Majorzy, or should I say Majorzy's married to you, Daniela? That's a big of a celebrity for me. But here's the reality that actually we, we do it when we have lost confidence in our own name. And tonight, I want to tell you that I really believe that God is in the business of renaming and reframing who you are. Tonight, I want to remind us that if you are here and you are disqualified, you feel disappointed, you feel dropped, this is the pick-me-up that your soul has been longing for. Are you ready for it? Lean and in, lean into the Word of God tonight, because I really believe that like that teacher coming out of that primary school, if I can drag that metaphor into that present reality... I believe all of heaven is unashamedly calling out your name tonight, and I pray that you'll have ears to hear what heaven says about you. So, we'll read scripture. It'll be on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17 says this. 
The title of it uh, in, in your Bible, in my Bible, say, Jesus calls Matthew, and in brackets, Levi. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walks along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Tonight, let's pray and trust that God is going to speak to us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. Would you sanctify us by your truth tonight? I pray, Father God, that he who has ears would hear what heaven is saying tonight. This is not just a monologue. This is not just a divine TED talk. This is heaven speaking to his sons and daughters. I thank you, Father God, that we'll hear your word and it'll leave us changed forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, tell them your name, tell them that you're a big deal and tell them I'm dropping names tonight. Come on, three, two, one, go for it. A whole lot of big deals here. Okay, let's jump into this text together tonight as we read the Bible together. We wanna, I want to tell you that in this narrative, as I was reading it and pondering it this week, the thing that jumped out off the page at me, a text that I've read a number of times, is the heading of this text. It says this, it says, Jesus calls Matthew, and in brackets, Levi. And as you see on the slide above, above you'll see that it, the, 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 the author of the, the text is calling this man Levi, but that little that subtitle at the top has been added in. It's an addendum for us as readers to understand that the Levi that Mark is talking about is a guy who we'll later know as Matthew. So he's, that's been added in, and, and we're told in that Matthew in brackets Levi to so that we are able as the readers to situate who they are actually talking about in this narrative because Mark keeps referring him to as Levi. And we have to understand, when we find this man, Levi, in this narrative, he is a tax collector. And tax collector is not just somebody who glorified work at, at SARS or if you're in America, the IRS. No, no. The tax collector in, the, in that day and age were the most hated and vilified of all of humanity. People just had no time for them. Why? Because they were Jewish people who were under the employ of the Roman government in their land, the Roman government who were persecuting, who were the foreign oppressors upon the Jewish way of life. And then they came and they had usurped Jewish people and they'd sucker them and had a high salary and said, actually, you can, we want you to go and tax and oppress your own people and you can even put a cut on top of that for yourself. So these were people that had sided with, sided with the enemy in a full-on way, and a very overt way, and the people just had no time for these guys. This man named Levi, his name, Levi, actually comes from the word unified or joined. But this was a man that was actually not living up to his name because he is now living as a divided man. He is a man of Jewish heritage, but saying, I'm going to side with the Roman government to oppress my own people. This was no unified, joined man with a, a Levitical background. No, this was Levi who had a divided heart and a divided expression of his faith and reality and his social life. This was a man who was not living up to his name. 
And actually so much so that I can imagine people around would have hated Levi. They would have hated this man. This was a man that they would not like. That actually, even though Levi probably would have been in the top 10 popular names of that year up to that moment when he was born. But when people came in contact with Levi, I can imagine that name was like, there was disdain in their mouth when they said his name, Levi. They just hated this guy. It's like when I was, my wife and I were naming, uh, again, names for our, our second born. I had a, she had a whole list of boys' names, and she would tell me their name, and I'd say, nope, I knew a guy. Not a chance. And you say, what about this guy? Nope, that guy was a chop. No, 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 no. That guy was a dreadful person. Like, I, I was like, no, 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 because I knew a guy. It's like what happens why, why uh, right now, in, believe it or not, in the 1920s, one of the most popular names in all of Eastern Europe was the name Adolf. For some reason, it's gone out of fashion. I don't know why. But anyway, we don't really meet, haven't met an Adolf for quite a while. But anyway, let's just say, but it's that sort of reality. Once you've met this guy, you just had disdain for him, and this just became an unpopular name. But that's why when we see this text that Mark is using the word Levi, but when you read the subheading there, it says, Jesus calls Matthew, and in brackets, Levi. And this is the reality that actually when we see those brackets, I, I started to ponder and wonder what those brackets signify for us as humanity reading this text. Because I think all of us have brackets after our names. Maybe not overt as, as, as is written in the text, but actually we carry around these brackets in our souls that maybe nobody knows about, nobody sees, but these brackets of, that are defining, this, my name is Gabriel, but in brackets, former porn addict. In brackets, I am a, I'm a narcissist. In brackets, I'm an angry man. In brackets, I'm, I'm disqualified. In brackets, I have full of shame. I've got my past, my pain, my defeat, my dysfunction. Why I don't measure up? In brackets, we carry around this lonely, I carry around this depressed, this in brackets that define who I once was. And it seems like no matter what we do, we can't shake that name. Name dropping. You see, I want to tell you today that the enemy is out to name you. This is the pattern of what God, or what the, what God does. He names his sons and daughters, but the enemy is just as equally at work and he's wanting to name and he's wanting to shame us and who we are. And this is something that's always happened if you go back in your Bibles to the narrative that's found in the book of Daniel. Uh, you, might, you may or may not be familiar with the, 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 the trio Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the, these uh, celebrities in the, in, in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these are three young men that have been dragged out of their land. They've been taken captive by the Babylonian government. Their nation has been pillaged. They've been dragged into a foreign land. They've been emasculated. They've even become vegans. Shock, horror. Terrible, I mean, sheesh. All jokes aside. But here in Babylon, as they've been taking captivity, we find out that actually when they arrived in Babylon, that their names weren't actually originally Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are the names that they've been given by the foreign power at Babylon who are in captivity. The oldest trick in the book is the conquering kingdom. When they want to take over people, they will rename them because they know that if they can change their names, maybe they can change their identity and their behavior. So let me tell you that actually when we first meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, I want to tell you that actually their, first re their reality is Shadrach was first called Hananiah. And Hananiah means awed by the goodness of God. And then when they go into Babylon, the enemy comes and renames him Shadrach, which means fearful of God. Because they wants to come and distort the reality of who he was. And then scenes put brackets and say, yeah, maybe that's what you were. This is where you've come from. But actually, I want to tell you a different narrative. I want to tell you that Meshach was first named Mishael, which means confident in God. What a name, Mishael, confident in God. But then in Babylon, he's renamed Meshach, which means ashamed or defeated. Abednego was first named Azariah, which means God is my helper. 
And then he gets the name Abednego. Nego was a foreign god, a foreign deity that they worshipped in Babylon. So Abednego means slave of Nego, slave of a foreign god. This is what the enemy does. And this is something that actually doesn't just happen. This is something that happens. Let me make it real for us in our context here. About 12, 13 years ago, I arrived in Cape Town, came to serve Jesus in the city. And uh, as I arrived here, I started to fall in love with him in this amazing church called Life Changes. There came a time when I was going to be ordained as an elder, a pastor in the church. And as this moment was coming in, and all I had, uh, there was no aspiration in my heart for anything fancy, but I just, I just wanted to serve God. I wanted to serve people. But as this came, the, 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 the voice of man started to rise up within the church because I was a young whippersnapper. I was unmarried. I hadn't been Bible to Bible college. What is this young guy going to teach us? And actually the voice of man started coming. This word that seemed to surface in every single conversation about me, unqualified. And, 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 and even though I knew what God had spoken, even though I knew that God had called, I felt this, this word that was spoken that just by, by man, but actually the enemy got a hold of it. The enemy turned words about me and turned it into brackets, a name that was applied to me. And every conversation I moved into, every pastoral situation, I walked in as Gabriel, but in the shadow was the brackets unqualified. Every time I stood behind the pulpit, I'd get up and say, I've got to impress these people because I'm Gabriel, but they look at me through the lens of the brackets unqualified. And I remember the moment came when I was actually really, I was like, well, if they don't, if they don't think I can do this, I'm, I'm done. You know, and excuse my French, stuff the church. That's why I was like, whatever, man. And I remember phoning my dad back in Durban. I said, I said, Dad, I, I'm done. I'm going to come back to Durban. These guys I don't church politics. I'm not in that for that or at all. And my dad just was quiet, and he just said this in, as in the way he only can do. He said to me, who called you to Cape Town? And I just knew where he was going with this line of questioning. I said, Dad, just leave me alone. I'm just here to vent. No, but he said, who called you? And I said, no, God did. He said, did, did those men call you? Did those, those people, negative voice, did they call you, or did God call you? I said, no, God called me, Dad. He says, cool. If God called you, he will sustain you. And I just remember the voice of the Father cut through all the noise in that moment. The voice of my earthly dad cut through all the, the brackets and reminded me of who I was. And this is the reality that we actually need to hear at this moment because I really believe that the enemy roars this word more than any over, over God's people at this time. Unqualified! You're unqualified for that situation. You're unqualified to make that commitment. You're unqualified to lead your family in that way. You're unqualified to live a life of purity. You're unqualified to make a difference in the city. You're unqualified to shake the shackles of your past. Unqualified! But I want to tell you, the enemy will name you by your past, by what you've done and what you haven't done. But God always names you by your future. This is the reality of Scripture, that the enemy will continue to point out where you've been. Jesus will continue to point out where you're called to go. This is the pattern in Scripture. When God meets a man, Abram, which means exalted father, this is a man who's an exalted father but is unable to have a baby, have any, any lineage of his own. God says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Let me tell you, when God said that to Abram, you're going to be called Abraham, father of many nations. This is who you're called to be. He had no children. So it's become one of those cruel jokes, you know. I can imagine Abraham, now a man, father of many nations, and the, from the moment he got renamed to the moment that he had his son Isaac was 25 years. 25 years of walking into parties. They go, hey, how's your, what's your name? And he'll go, Abraham. They'll go, ooh, father of many nations. Where's the minivan? Where are the kids? N no kids. So you're doing that weird thing where the big guy's called tiny. Is that what you're doing? Eh? Cool, cool. A little bit of those. Oh, cool. Like, nice. I like that. It's like that awkward thing where he had to carry around this name that he wasn't fully walking. But God says, no, I'm calling you by your future. 
not by what you've done. It's the same thing about a man named Simon in the Bible, one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus meets him and says, I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock, Cephas, rock. But let me tell you, there was, and I'm not meaning Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm just talking about rock. This is his reality. But when you meet Peter and you read about him, this is somebody who's far away, away from being rock-like and stable in character. He is a man who flies off the handle. In the very next chapter after being named the rock, he is called Satan. That's that's not a good day. He's a guy who denies Jesus three times. in, In the book of Acts, he has to be called out for overt racism. This is the guy that Jesus called the rock. But then years later, when we find him again in 1 and 2 Peter, we find a man that's now stable, and God can use that man to build the church. Because God always calls us by our future, not by what we are or what we've done. This is the reality, and it came home to Rooster a few years ago when um, our our little girl, Olivia, who's five now, but rewind a couple years, and we were in the throes of potty training. And uh, you've, you don't know what faith is unless you take your toddler out to the shops, a pick-and-pay shopping uh, center with no nappy on in the middle of, that's faith, people, right? There's faith. You don't know what faith is until you've done that. And I remember getting there, and we did the shopping, and, it was, and it was, we put all the shopping in, and she was on top of the trolley, and as the, the trolley got filled with all the different uh, goods we were purchasing, we put it on top of them, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the aisle, she said, Dad, I, I just went to the toilet. I'm like, oh, wow, you did. And it just felt like it was just like Niagara Falls cascading everywhere. And it was just, I, I apologize for the imagery, but I was just, it was one of those awkward moments where I was highly embarrassed. I did not know what to do. I'm like, oh, Olivia, okay, okay. You know, just I'm like, oh, dads don't know what to do. Just like, ah, uh, backwards and forward. And I remember it's like, there's now, there's, there's, there's just, it's just wet on the floor. I'm like thinking, do I, can I, am I allowed to take the groceries and put them back behind that one, take a new one? I just don't know what to do. People are stopping and staring. I'm feeling embarrassed. And and then my wife, thank God for my wife, she said from the other aisle, she said, don't embarrass her. I suddenly thought, if I'm embarrassed, can you imagine what she feels right now? So I thought, okay, cool. This little girl is exposed, feeling very embarrassed. She's, this is what we told her. No, it mustn't happen. So I say, see, then she has to see her red cheeks, her quivering lips, her eyes looking at her dad saying, what do I do in this moment, dad? And, uh, and I got down there to, on, on my knees, and up to this moment, the backstory is that this is a little girl that is black and white. You, you cannot, she just, one plus one equals two for her. And, I, and, I, and as hard as I try, I've tried to give her nicknames throughout the years. She, none of them settle. She is Olivia Grace Phillips. That's her name. Whatever happens. I'll say, Schnookums? And she's like, no, I'm Olivia Grace Phillips. I'm like, Sweet Pea? No, Olivia Grace Phillips. Whatever. Just that's who she is. And in this moment with her little head and her lip quivering, I said, Livy, what's your name? And she, and she looked and said, Olivia. I said, no, no, my girl. What's your name? Said, Olivia Grace. And I said, I lifted her little head and I said, Livy, what's your name? She said, Olivia Grace Phillips. And it's like a little determination came upon this girl. And I remember in that moment just thinking that actually I was so grateful that this little girl, in the moment of embarrassment, she did not need to be told where she had failed. She needed to hear the voice of her father saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. And I tell you, the church needs to hear the voice of the father more than ever. Maybe you're here tonight, and I want to tell you, the enemy has called you broken. I want to tell you, Jesus names you whole. Maybe the enemy has called you perverted. Jesus names you pure. The enemy has called you bound. Jesus names you free. The enemy has called you insecure. Jesus names you confident. The enemy has called you depressed. Jesus names you joy. The enemy has called you unqualified. Jesus names you anointed for such a time as this. The enemy has called you sinner. Jesus names you son and daughter. And maybe say, I don't feel like it. I'm not living in it. But Jesus calls by your future, what he's called you towards, and says, will you trust me to bring it to completion? This is the reality that we need to hear. And I want to ask you to shout this out with me today. Say, I'm name dropping today, Gabe. Three, two, one. I'm name dropping. 
Come on, you guys are doing really well. Let me just keep going. We'll finish this up shortly because you see that's the first bracket we have to deal with. We have to understand the reality of dropping that bracket, that shadow that has followed us, that notion of unqualified, of reject, of disappointed. You've got to drop that bracket. But as I kept reading in this text, I came to verse 15 and I realized there was the second bracket. The text appears behind me. It says this later. Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. That word disreputable, just for the sake of time, you could also put the word notorious sinners. And you know somebody is, people are sinners, but then there's notorious sinners. And if you're a notorious sinner, that means people know about it and you're professional at that sin. It's like, that guy's good at his sin. That guy's gone all out on sin. Tax collectors and notorious sinners and then the second bracket appears. It says this, as you can see in the yellow, it says, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. And those brackets shocked me, did something in my heart. And I want to tell you the first bracket that we read about Levi, it reminds me that Jesus is in the renaming business. But the second bracket reminds me that he's also in the reframing business. What I mean by that is that people who were looked down upon with disdain are now protected within Jesus' bracket. Wherever you are, anyone else about exclusion, he says, now I've come to incorporate those people into my kingdom. This is what I'm doing. And as we keep reading, you'll see the next slide says this. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him dash, and before we move on to the next slide, we see that dash. Uh, if, I, if I didn't know how the rest of that story played out, I'll say, what, had, what irked the Pharisees so much about Jesus initially? This is their first run-in with Jesus. When they saw Jesus dash perform miracles, Maybe that'll be it. When they saw him healing the blind and, and healing the leper and, and turning water into wine, maybe that'll be it. And no, that's not, what, that's not what irked them. Maybe when they saw him uh, doing these, these, these incredible teachings where he was declaring that he is the only way to the Father, that he, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, maybe that will be the thing that irked them initially. No. Maybe it was some grand feeding scheme where he would feed 5,000 people and show us that actually he's coming, that, that you think the Roman government and the Jewish people are your source. No, I'm the source and I'm going to come and feed you. No, that's not what irked them initially. This is what it was. What was the blank? It said this, when the teacher of religious law who were Pharisees saw him, next slide, eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And that shocked me because let me tell you, what offended them wasn't his deity, it was his normality. It was his normality. And this is what we have to understand. This is the crux of the gospel. One of my most favorite scriptures in John 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have to get this because we have to realize when it says the word became flesh, we have to know what that means. It says the omnipotent. The all-powerful, the omniscient, the all-knowing, the omnipresent, the everywhere became flesh. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, clothed itself in skin. The ancient of days, the rock of ages, the God who was, who is, and who is to come, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, Joshua, Esther, David, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the divine put on skin. And this is where it gets really good. Jesus became flesh, and in a sense it says that he, another way to render that scripture says, he stepped off the stage and he sat amongst us. It was almost like this. Is this seat taken here? Let's take this one here. Hello, Savannah. Hello, Carl. Good. But this is the reality of what Jesus did. That so shocked the elite, that so uh, let people, left people uh, 
their jaws on the floor, that actually God would put on skin and would move in amongst them and sit amongst them, that he would bring his bracket around their sin, around their scum nature, their, their brokenness, and he'd say, I'll incorporate all of that and I'll come be with you and be like you. And this is the radical reality. The other day I was, um, when I went on a flight somewhere, and I'm one of the persons who has, um, uh, I have uh, this, 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 this reality of that I only ever get to fly in, what's it called? Economy class. Like, you all get that? Yeah. But because of that, I really have a disdain for first class, um, people who fly business class, disdain for them. Because, you know, economy class, they make you walk past business class. They let business class board first. They see them in their luxury. They're playing classical music. It's like they've got um, people fanning them. They've got like, you know, this, the, the moist towelettes. Would you like some more uh, champagne, sir? And they're like massaging their feet there. And just like, they've got little geishas, Japanese geishas doing like, I don't just know. I don't know what goes on up there in, in business class. But they make us walk past them. And I'm like, you know, you're, so, you're like, you're wanting to, you just want to love these people, but you're like, oh, I hate these people. But they do it because they want to tease you that actually, that, that at some stage there's this dream, I want to go, one day I'll fly a business class. And business class, basically people are paying exorbitant fees to go from, 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 from economy class to business class, to upgrade. People are paying huge fees just to sit in that seat. Here's the incredible thing about Jesus. He's the only person that paid exorbitant fees to go sit in cattle class to go the other way. He's the only one. When everyone else is name dropping their way to the top, he's dropping his name, dropping his rights, dropping his ability, and say, I'm going the other way. So much so that he came to their home. Jesus put on flesh and came to their home and sat amongst them. This is the reality of the gospel. This is what we love about Jesus, is that he is the one that came and sat amongst us and embraced our brackets. He embraced our dysfunction, and he said, I'll bring it to me. I'll come and become flesh, and I'll sit with you in it, and I'll tell you that you are included in the story. This is what makes the gospel incredible. I want to tell you, life changes city. You and I are called. You are called to plunder hell and populate heaven. We are called to go after the lost, the least, the last. We are called to do this reality. We are called to be invading the darkness, not retreating from it. We are called to go and embrace and take the brackets of Jesus and embrace the world and not keep our brackets to ourselves and say, I'm going to carry my own stuff. But actually, the, the life of Jesus should enlarge our brackets so we could have the scum of the earth, those who have been written off, those who have been despised, and say, actually, my world's going to incorporate yours. That, that is the reality that we are called too. And I want to ask you a question. Who is Jesus saying his brackets have been given to you? Which, how, will you enlarge them to hold people who are not like you? People who are different to you? People who are despised? People who you think that I, I, they just smell different? People, they talk different. They demand different. But actually, Jesus said, I'm going to put in flesh and come and sit amongst you. We are called to do likewise. I've prayed many times. I've heard people pray similar prayers. God, if you could just save that celebrity. Save that politician, God, and then the gospel will go. Woo. If we just get the right platform, if Jesus could get the right platform, wow. But as I read this text, I realize that Jesus said he stepped off the stage. He doesn't need a platform. He stepped amongst the people. And we are longing, we're name-dropping celebrities. If only Bieber gets saved, or if Kanye gets saved and does an album called Jesus is King, then the, the end will come. He's done that, and nothing changed. Why? Because actually Jesus says, no, I don't need your platforms. I gave up my platform. I dropped my name, and I walked away from that to come and embrace your name, to embrace that. I dropped my righteous standing so I can embrace your sin, 
so that you can become the righteousness of God. This is the reality that Jesus walks into a story and Mark chapter two sees a man named Levi who's been written off and Jesus says, I don't need Biba, I don't need Kanye, I'm going for a man named Matthew. And let me tell you, Matthew then ended up writing a book that has changed the world. As I call the band up behind me, I wanna tell you this is the reality, is that God renames us for a purpose. We see this in the book of Mark. Mark, that we'd be reading, one chapter earlier, you'll find the book of Mark. So I'm very tired. This is tiring stuff. <laughs> the book of Mark starts off with prophecy. Mark chapter 1, it tells us about Isaiah and what, what is prophesied Jesus was coming. Luke starts off with power, potent power, as a couple who could never fall pregnant or fall pregnant, and it's just like angels appearing on the scene. Chapter 1, it's just like after 400 years of silence, it's exciting, it's lightning, it's thunder, it's like Jesus is coming, whoa, power. The book of John starts with poetry, this beautiful poetry that is this, 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 so incredible, reminding us that actually this is not something that's starting now. It started way before in the eternity past, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and this is incredible reality. But then we come to this man named Matthew, formerly known, the artist formerly known as Levi, and his gospel does not start with prophecy. His book doesn't start with power. It doesn't start with poetry and prose. No, it starts with names, because Matthew is going to drop some names. And when you turn to Matthew chapter 1, this man, formerly known as Levi, who's dropped his brackets, he comes to this reality, and in Matthew chapter 1, it says, this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. And I can go on and, and on for another 16 verses where it's just name dropping after name dropping after name dropping. But if you were to read it correctly with understanding the backstory of their lives, you wouldn't have just write Abraham. You would have written Abraham in brackets, the idolater and adulterer. You would have written Jake, Isaac, in brackets, the one who pimped out his wife. You would have read uh, Jacob, in brackets, the cheater, the swindler, the liar. In brackets, you would have read Judah, who slept with his daughter-in-law because he thought she was a prostitute. You would read the name Tamar, saying, that is his daughter-in-law, who condemned by dressing up like a prostitute. You would go through the list, and you would read the brackets after every single person, and you will go, this is a list of the disqualified. But actually, Matthew drops all their brackets, just tells us who their names are, and he ends it all off. This first verse says, these are the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, and the last verse says, and this was the one who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. That whole text of Matthew is bracketed by Jesus. Jesus, all their names, and then bracketed again by Jesus. Because he's dropped their brackets and says they're enveloped by the story of Jesus. This is where the good news comes even better. I want to land with one more blow for you and I that I think will really shake us to the core. You ready for it? Mark chapter 2, let's read it one more time. Mark chapter 2 says this, Jesus calls Matthew in brackets Levi, and it says Levi, Levi, Levi. And the gospel of Luke says the same thing, Levi, Levi, Levi. But when we get to Matthew's account of this story, when he got called by Jesus, Matthew 9 verse 9 looks like this. Jesus calls Matthew. No more brackets. As Jesus was walking along, he saw Matthew, a man called Matthew. And as you keep reading, there's no more mention of Levi in Matthew's account. Why? Because he was a man that had dropped the brackets. 
He was a man saying, I'm not defined by what you see or where I've been come from. I'm defined by what He has called me. I'm dropping the brackets to be incorporated by His brackets, His story, what He is doing. Let's stand to our feet because I want to tell you this is the reality of what God wants to do. I want to encourage us tonight that the enemy wants to name you. The enemy wants to have those brackets attached to you that you walk around with a limp, a smile on the outside, but the brackets that are causing, crushing you of depression, of anxiety. And this is who you are. You are a fraud. You are unqualified. You are a terrible mother. You're a terrible friend. And those brackets come closing in on you. You've promised God so many times, but you failed them. And those brackets come there. And the, the, the brackets of the enemy will come and say, I know what you've looked at. I know what internet history you've deleted. And the brackets come and you struggle. You want to live up to your name, but you feel the pull of these brackets. It's time to name drop. And when I say name drop, I mean drop your name. Drop your name. And in a sense where the enemy comes to tempt you, to despair, when he comes to accuse you like he will do, because he accuses you night and day, the accuser of the brethren. Let me tell you, that's the moment when we say, the enemy says, who are you? You are not qualified for this. Let me remind you of brackets. We say, no, but I'm not coming in my name. I'm coming in a greater name. Our access to the Father, our access to inheritance, our access to future, our access to joy, our access to righteousness, our access to healing, our access to deliverance is not in our ability. It's not found in our brackets. It's found in a name that has no asterisks, a name that has no brackets, a name that gave up all rights and took a place of a servant, but the name that was given, the name above all other names. Let me tell you, it's at that name that the wind and waves obey. It's at that name demons flee. It's at that name that kings and kingdoms bow down that all creation bursts forth in praise and it's at that name that even death itself steps aside. This is the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, call upon His name and you will be saved. The Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. And the name of the Lord is here and He's saying, I'm wanting to name you. I'm wanting to call you. I want to remind you of who you are and whose you are. Today, all of heaven is shouting out your name. He who has ears, will they hear? Why don't we lift up our hands toward Jesus in this moment? Close your eyes. This is a moment as the word has been preached. I believe tonight I've been praying for brackets to drop, for us to drop brackets, to drop brackets of dysfunction, drop brackets of despair, of diagnoses that the enemy has spoken. And we say, yes, and, and, and by faith it's dropping. Though you might not yet see the reality, you might feel like Abraham walking with a new name, but no evidence of that name yet. But in faith, we say that is who God has called me. And if God has called that to me, He is not a man that He should lie. He is faithful. He is a God that speaks and He speaks the Word and the Word is Jesus. So tonight, as we lift up our hands, I want to ask you, will you drop the brackets that have defined you? And would you allow the brackets of heaven to say, I have got space for you in my story. I will call you. I've come to you. I've come to sit amongst you. I've come to walk with you. I've come to include you in the story. That don't you know, it's not the, the healthy that need a doctor. It's those who are sick. It's those who are, know they are sinners, but say, but I'm calling on another name. I'm name dropping that name, the name that is Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.